0: I think you figured it out. There are some strange things in the Bible. Uh, we have seen 6,000 demons possess a bunch of pigs. Uh, we've seen a zombie army raised to life. A woman turned into salt. A left-handed secret agent man. And last week there was a donkey talking. If you were here outside at the uh, picnic, we had a donkey. Kind of, but uh, anyway, some strange stuff. I, I, I think if we uh, if we wanted to, we could probably continue this series through Christmas and beyond because there are just many, 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 many stories in the Bible where we kind of go. Maybe you, you kind of read it and you tilt your head a little bit and you go. Really? This happened? Really? I don't... Anyway, so, uh, w- w- strange or not, we've learned a lot of things from these uh, stories. If you've missed any of them, obviously, you can go back on uh, to the, uh, the videos page or the listen page on the website and, and uh, check some of those out. And love for you to, uh, to do that. Today's story is found in the Old Testament book of Second Kings, uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. Now, Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. Uh, He was a valiant soldier, but he had leprosy. Now bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and had taken captive a young girl from Israel, and she served Naaman's wife. And she said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the, king, what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten sets of clothing. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robes and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he's trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you torn your robes? Have the, the man, have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, Go, wash yourself seven times in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored, and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought he would surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Couldn't I wash in them and be cleansed? So he turned and went off in a rage. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some some great thing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you to wash and be cleansed? So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times, and he came up shouting, Oh Lord, I've seen my... No, it's not quite... There, but close. Uh, Jordan seven times, as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. Then Naaman and all his attendants went back to the man of God. He stood before him and said, Now I know that there is no God in all the world except in Israel. So please accept a gift from your servant. The prophet answered, As surely as the Lord lives, whom I serve, I will not accept a thing. And even though Naaman urged him, he refused. If you will not, said Naaman, please let me, your servant, be given as much earth as a pair of mules can carry, for your servant will never again make burnt offerings and sacrifices to any other god but the Lord. We'll stop there. It goes on, the... Elisha's prophet Gehazi uh, kind of goes a little sideways toward the end, but we don't need to focus on that today. Uh, Naaman takes some dirt from Israel back to where he is so he can always be kneeling down and worshiping God uh, on the, uh, the, the earth of, of Israel, so to speak. But, but as this story goes, Naaman had two problems. One was leprosy. A flesh-eating disease that was contagious and and kept the infected person away from the healthy population so it wouldn't spread. So he had this flesh-eating disease, but his other problem was even worse. It was the soul-eating disease of pride, and it almost kept Naaman from experiencing the blessing that God had for him. I might be getting ahead of myself, we'll, we'll kind of catch up to that. Uh, Naaman was a, an enemy of Israel, uh, but he was sick, right? His, his wife's maid was an Israelite girl, and uh, she knew about this great prophet Elisha in her country, and uh, she knew that, uh, she knew and had heard of Elisha, uh, she knew that Elisha's God could make her uh, master well. There's, there's probably a sermon in here uh, uh, about pointing people to God, uh, about loving them to life. We could we could uh, talk about that today, just like this servant girl did, right? We 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 know the the the, the people in their li- in our lives, and and when we fi- come to find out their needs, then uh, we know that God has the answer, and we need to point them to Him, just like this girl did. She spoke up and uh, and uh, pointed him pointed Naaman toward God. Uh, this is actually a Pretty good sermon. Maybe we should go go there instead. Uh, maybe maybe another time. But uh, today, I, I I want us to uh, to know that and know what this girl did because she was bold enough to speak up. Uh, because she did that, Naaman had hope. She she. Uh, uh, talked to him and told him what the possibility might be, and and now instead of uh, a, a death sentence of, of living uh, separated from his loved ones and his country and uh, letting this flesh-eating disease take him out, uh, Naaman now had hope, and so he went to his king and he asked if he could check out this possibility and go to the land of Israel. It's kind of funny in there where uh, where the kings miscommunicate and the king of Aram asks the king of Israel to heal his commander. The king of Israel freaks out. What are you doing? Picking a fight with me? I can't do that, and it's, it's obvious here that neither king had any concept of how God might want to work. Elisha uh, told the king to chill out and send Naaman to him, and so that's what happened. So, so, so Naaman has all of his pomp and his power and his prestige, and, and I just pi- picture this big entourage of chariots and horses and servants bringing all that, uh, you see there, all that silver and gold and, and, and other gifts and, and pulls up to e- Elisha's modest house, uh, maybe out there in the country somewhere. I, I, I'm sure it was the biggest thing that had happened in the neighborhood in quite some time. As the dust clears, I just picture the great Naaman and his servants, uh, you know, knocking on the door. And it's almost as though Naaman thought that he was doing Elisha a favor by gracing him with his wonderful presence. And uh, yet, despite the big procession, Elisha doesn't even come out. He's hanging out in the back. He's got some better stuff to do. He sends his servant and just tells him what to do. Not going to make a big show of things. Just go wash in the Jordan. It'll take care of it. It It'd be as easy as that. But in telling that uh, to this great commander, Naaman, Naaman's now offended. He wanted to to be a little bit more of a bigger deal than this, right? He expected a magic show. Uh, he he had some preconceived ideas of how this was this was going to go. down. I mean, it, again, it's it's kind of funny. Uh, Naaman actually had in his head how the prophet was going to do it. Uh, I don't know whether he'd seen it on TV somewhere, been watching YouTube late at night and seen uh, healings or, or how that, maybe. Uh, but, uh, but, but, but he was expecting, it literally says, well, I thought he was going to come out and wave his hand and call on his God and bada bing, bada boom, and there, there it is. And, 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 and it would just disappear. And when, when that didn't happen, he gets all offended. I'm, you probably can't relate to that because you've probably never had a preconceived idea of how God should work. And then gotten upset when he did something different, right? You, you've never, you probably can't. I'm probably the only one there. Well, Naaman obviously thought he deserved some special treatment. Uh, didn't want to just go wash in the muddy waters of the, the, the Jordan River. Uh, so Naaman turns around taking his pride and his leprosy with him, right? But in order to get rid of the leprosy, he was going to have to unload his pride, And although you've probably never dealt with the disease of leprosy, we've all faced the crippling effects of pride in our lives. The old preacher uh, Uncle Buddy Robinson used to say that pride is the only disease known to man that makes everyone sick except the one who has it. It's, uh, it's really, uh, pride is really the essence of, of sin. It's, it's the root cause of every sin that's committed. William Barclay said, pride is the, the ground in which all other sins grow. It, it's been said that, that pride is e- easier to recognize than it is to define. Uh, usually definitions of pride include things like, I, I don't know, excessive self-esteem, right? Uh, too much attention or confidence in, your, in yourself, uh, maybe uh, you've heard of people getting, getting the big head maybe that's uh, part of your definition of pride I, I, that's all included but I, I think maybe there's more to it than that I want to drill down on it a little bit here today sinful pride ultimately it, it puts ourselves above others and above God pride really is a lack of submission to the authority of God that's where Naaman was and that's where so many of us can find ourselves as well what does, what does pride look like in our lives? What does pride say? Uh, how can we, uh, what are some examples of what this looks like? Uh, one thing that pride says, I think, is I'm better than you. And we see this with, with uh, uh, I don't know, uh, racism, nationalism, all the other isms. My gr- I'm in this group, and you're in that group, and my group's better than your group. And, uh, and uh, we can, if we're not careful, we can slip into that just surrounding ourselves with our group and looking down on uh, other groups. Uh, it, it can, this same thing, I'm better than you, that can show up as impatience. I mean, traffic can show our pride pretty quick, right? Um, I, uh, I deserve to get there when I want to get there and you're slowing me down because I'm, more, I'm, I'm better than you, right? Um, uh, it, it can show up as rudeness and we're rude to people who maybe, I don't know, uh, people who are a uh, waitress in a r- restaurant or, or someone uh, where, where we're uh, in, a, in a store, we're, we're rude because, because I deserve and, and that, the root of that is pride. Uh, the next one is, is related as well. Uh, you're not as important as I am. That, that could show up as an unforgiving heart, right? I'm, uh, you hurt me, I'm more important, my feelings are more important. Or, or it shows up as no repentance, that, that I'm not gonna repent. I don't have to say I'm sorry. You, you need to say you're sorry. It can show up as a lack of compassion. I, I don't need to help you. Uh, my stuff's more important than you. I'm not even thinking about what you're going through. I'm only thinking about me because my stuff, my life is more important and pride is at the root of that. Another way we see this, I think, is is uh, the pride says, "Look at me." Uh, I remember saying this as a kid. I think kids still say this, right? Mom, Dad, watch this. Watch this. Look at me. Watch this. And that's that's great, and that's fine, and, and we need to, to 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 watch them. That's great, but it can turn real quickly into uh, you know everyone wants their fifteen minutes of fame. I think this. I think right now it's kind of bumped up to maybe everyone's once two hours of fame. I don't know, but uh, we've, got, we've got this YouTube culture that, that look at me and, and uh, I, I've got this and you need to like this and we've got uh, to post this and then we're waiting to see how many likes or how many uh, hearts or, or how many whatever and, uh, and, and whether it's going viral and, and uh, whether we're TikTok famous or not. and Can we TikTok the sermons? I don't know if we can do that or not. Can we talk some ticks and get the, Sorry. I'm old. No. Uh, we, uh, pride says, look at me. I, again, I'm most important. I'm more important than you are. I'm better than you are. Look at me. And then one more thing, and, and uh, all of these things are related in our story. Maybe this last one most of all. I can do it myself. I don't need help. This shows up as, uh, uh, with, as an ungrateful heart. I don't have to say thanks because I did it myself, right? Uh, or I'm doing it myself and I don't really need to thank you. It shows up as an unteachable heart. I'm not going to be, uh, be open to what you're, you might teach me because I already know it all. Uh, I can figure it out myself and, uh, and, and so I'm not going to be seeking out new answers because I've already figured things out. I'm unteachable. Uh, or then uh, not, submi- not submitting ourselves to authority. I'm my own boss, I do my own, I can do it myself. And I think Naaman had a, a lot of this, right? He was used to doing things himself, not submitting him, uh, himself uh, to anybody else's plans or uh, it, you know, he had one person a- a above him, the king. And those were the only orders he was, uh, he was obeying. But, but that pride that was in Naaman's heart was keeping him from experiencing God's blessing. Again, I wonder I wonder if we ever miss out on God's blessings in our lives because we think we know best. Probably not. You've probably got it handled. Naaman, Naaman saw himself through his eyes, through the eyes of his family, through the eyes of his troops, even through the eyes of his king. Uh, it, it, he's described here as a great man. Uh, he's a valiant soldier, it says. Uh, Naaman uh, believed the press about himself, I think, and and he was, he was just used to uh, uh, the accolades and 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 having all that uh, uh, prestige, But but to God... Naaman was just like everybody else. Not, not to diminish him in any way, but God saw Naaman just like he sees all of us. Someone made in his image, someone that he loved, someone that needed grace and help. And God was, was more than willing to, deal, to, to heal Naaman, but Naaman had to shift his perspective to be willing to, to look at himself, to look at life, to, to look at uh, uh, the, the world through God's eyes and not through his own. He had to come to a place of surrender. And that's not something that comes easily to an army commander, right? Surrender wasn't in Naaman's vocabulary. And I don't think surrender comes easily to, to most of us. We usually think we know what's best. Uh, we we want uh, what we want, what we need. But ultimately, what we need is to submit to God and to obey His instructions, because God always knows best. Obedience is the proof of our submission and our surrender. To God, if if we're obeying what He says, that shows that we're surrendered to Him and to His instructions. Uh, so so when Naaman went and washed, uh, he much uh, after much coaxing from his uh, servants, "Come on, Naaman, back off, back down, you can do this." Uh, uh, when when he actually went and obeyed, it showed his willingness to submit to God's plan and to obey Elisha's instruction. Too many times, I think we want to bypass submission and surrender and obedience and go straight to the blessing, right? We, we want God's blessing without following God's instructions. Well, why can't he just wave his hand and make it all happen? Come on, God could do that in a second. Yeah, but he's waiting for your submission and your obedience to his plans. We can't understand why God doesn't just come through for us even though we haven't been obeying him. I tell you all the time about that sin has consequences. Um, maybe the biggest consequence of our sin is missing out on God's blessings. Because God doesn't bless sin, God blesses obedience. And, uh, and and so if we're if we're sinning if we're not on track with God if we're doing our own thing then we won't experience the blessings that God might have for it. Now that's not to say that that if we obey then we'll just get whatever we want however we want whenever we want and everything will happen exactly as we have it planned. Uh, Naaman uh, had his own preconceived notions of uh, how things uh, were going to happen and they happened quite differently, right? But they still happened for Naaman. He was still healed. Uh, sometimes, though, we have to recognize that God doesn't bring uh, the, the healing or, or, I don't know, the, the new job or, or the, uh, the, the, the relationship or the, the next fill-in-the-blank, whatever you're, you're hoping and praying that God will do in your life. Uh, just because we're obeying God doesn't guarantee the results that, that we think are going to happen, right? Surrender doesn't work that way surrender takes away all of my control i'm completely at the mercy of god and so i trust his plans and not mine maybe you've heard of uh, the name corrie ten boom she and her family were were arrested by the germans during world war ii and sent to uh, the concentration camps for hiding jews uh, Corey lost most of her loved ones in uh, in the camps uh, after the war. She traveled and she spoke. Maybe you've uh, you've heard of or read uh, read her books. Uh, probably the the most most uh, popular, one, one I've got on Audible right now, The Hiding Place if you haven't read that, put that on your list uh, uh, read all about God's grace through very, very difficult circumstances, but, but Corrie Ten Boom, uh, after all of that, uh, spoke to audiences about her horrific experiences in the concentration camp and and, and a lot of times, as she spoke she's standing at the, the lectern there and as she spoke, she was looking down most of the time, and, and uh, folks many times thought she was just looking at her notes and, and reading what she was supposed to say, but, but, but she wasn't just, just reading her notes. She's actually, as she's speaking, she's working on a, on a, a little thing of needlepoint, right? And she's doing the, the, the thread and, the, uh, and, and, and got the little hoop thing and doing, doing all the stuff. And uh, then at some point, after she shared about the, the, the doubt and the anger and the pain that she had experienced in the so difficult experiences of her life... Corey Ten Boom would reveal the needlepoint that she'd been working on, but she would hold up the backside, and she'd reveal the jumble of colors and hanging threads and the almost—I mean, indiscernible indis- pattern, right? And and she'd say, "This is how we see our lives." And then she would turn it around to reveal the beautiful design that she had made on the other side and she would conclude by saying this is how God views our lives. And someday we will have the privilege of viewing it from his point of view. I mean, have you ever just not understood what God is doing? I mean, (laughs) if we're honest, I, I think we live there a lot of the time. Have you ever laid out a perfectly good plan and all God has to do is just fill it out, right? Uh, God, We've got it figured out. It's going to happen this way. It looks like this is probably the direction we're heading and this is step one, step two, step. All you need to do is just kind of flow through there. Got it. Thanks. Appreciate your help. Uh, I'll be back when I need some more, right? Life following God is a life of faith. And many times we lay that plan out and it seems as though God does the exact opposite. Following God in faith means that even when we don't understand, we're still going to trust that he has a plan. We may, we may not ever make sense of it, this side of heaven, but we can trust that he is weaving his will in the world and in our lives. Our obedience opens us up for his blessings, for his will to be worked out in our lives and in the world. Isaiah 45, 9 says, what sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, stop, you're doing it wrong? Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? The clay doesn't have any say in in what it gets molded into, right? Uh, Without the potter, it's just going to be a lump. But under the creative skill and careful pressure of the hands of the potter, it's transformed into something beautiful. And it takes time and effort. And uh, as the, the, the bumps and the irregularities are worn down and the edges are scored away, and sometimes things implode and the whole thing has to start all over again, right? But, but the master potter continues to create as the clay submits to his will. There's an old song that I uh, repeat in my head sometimes quite often because I need to remind myself, uh, probably more than I want to admit. Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay. Mold me and make me after thy will. While I am waiting, yielded and still. um. The, the yielded and still part, I think, is the hardest part. Well, maybe the waiting, too. I've got to ask myself, as I look at Naaman and all the stuff and all the craziness of this, this whole thing, and uh, the, the, the healing and all the stuff, I, I have to, am I, am I submit, really submitted to the hands of the potter? Am I really submitted to God's will? If he says, go wash in the, in the Jordan seven times, and that doesn't make a lick of sense to me, am I still going to do it? Or do I have a better plan? It's, it's not about uh, always working out the way I think it will, uh, the way I think it should, but it's all about surrender, obedience, and that opens us up to God working his will. In our life, this was a this was a life changing moment for Naaman. Literally, uh, things hinged on 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 this. It was before the Jordan River seven times and after the Jordan River seven times. Right, uh, he came out of that water. The seventh. I love how uh, how Scripture defines it. It says his skin was clean like that of a young boy. So the Jordan River was the, uh, the, the fountain of youth, right? Uh, Naaman had a new lease on life. He was healed, but, 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 but more than healing the leprosy, God had healed Naaman's pride. And the next things that, that, that Naaman did prove that, uh, that, that his pride was pushed away. And uh, there were two things that, that he did that if he was still living in pride, he would have never been able to do. He gave thanks to Elisha and he worshiped God. Pride cannot thank or worship anything but itself. Living a life full of gratitude and worship guards against pride ever creeping back in. Gratitude and worship reveal our dependence on God. Uh, as, as we've seen in, in all of these stories, maybe they're not so strange after all. Maybe, uh, maybe Naaman's story is, is kind of common to all of us. We, we think we know what we want. We think we know what we deserve. God just wants a surrendered heart. God just wants a moldable lump of clay. And when we surrender, we can experience God's blessings. We won't all, always point to them and say, wow, that's a blessing of God. It kind of maybe looks all jumbled up and we can't quite make sense of it, but we don't have to. We just have to trust ourselves to the hands of the potter. Well, maybe you've been uh, frustrated with God, maybe in the past, maybe right now, and he's not doing what you want him to, and he's not doing it as fast as you need him to, and he's just not coming through, and, and you're frustrated. Or maybe you're realizing that your heart isn't fully surrendered to him. Maybe you've been resisting what he's been asking you to do, go wash in the Jordan seven times. Maybe it seems crazy or goofy or stupid and and why would I do that? This is a great moment for us to ask him what he wants to do in our hearts. Father God, we pray. We pray that you would move in our hearts today as you've already been doing. We pray that, that you would uh, help us to uh, be drawn to you, that, that we can say no to the, uh, the selfishness and pride that, that tends to creep in. And, and Lord, I just pray that we can, uh, we can hear your still small voice. We can be responsive to your leading and that today you will move and work in our lives. Lord, I pray that, that you help us to trust you even, even when it doesn't make any sense. we thank you for your word that speaks to us and we pray for your spirit to, to move and work across our hearts today in Jesus name Amen